welcome to the Artist Appeals. This is Erin Sparler and I'm your host. In the Artist Appeals, we interview artists, crafters, photographers, and business professionals about the business of art. I hope you'll join us and enjoy the show. So sometimes we make mistakes. We all make mistakes. And in this episode, I make the mistake of using the copyrighted and trademarked C word. Mm-hmm. That's right, chat. Nope, not gonna say it again. So, through the magic of post-production editing, we have removed the trademarked C word. And please use your mind to think lip balm in all of the places that I made the mistake of saying the trademarked C word. On this episode of The Artist Appeals, we're going to talk with the owner and, dare I say, inventor of a very unique artisanal lip balm and body scrub skincare company. So the company is Certebel Skincare. It's French for bees. And they make inspired lip balms that are locally sourced, made from locally sourced beeswax. Sweet almond oil, shea butter, coconut, vitamin E, and all that is well and good, right? But what really makes these lip balms and body scrubs stand out is the flavors. Because what she does is she partners with wineries, distilleries, and coffee roasters to make infused lip balms like mead infused lip balm with strawberries or French toast swirl maple syrup infused lip balm or my personal favorite toasted coconut latte. She also has a moonshine apple pie and a white sangria body scrub. I'm telling you, you're just going to want to lick these lip balms. Don't eat the body scrub. It smells so good. They're wonderful. Without further ado, I'm very happy and very proud to introduce you to one of my former students and the owner and inventor of Sir DeBell, Ashley Monet. Hi, Ashley. Hi. Welcome. Thank you so much for talking to me. Hey, I'm excited for today. Yeah. I want to start with a little backstory. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and what you were doing before you started this new company? All right. So my husband and I moved to Rochester, New York, just north of the Finger Lakes, end of 2012. After that, I was working part-time as a waitress in a local restaurant here in Fairport, New York, and not really using my degree at all yet since we had just relocated to a different state completely mm-hmm. different area and my husband's from France so he just relocated to a whole new country so oh yeah working part-time and and what's your degree in I have a degree from Central Pennsylvania College in multimedia graphic design and corporate communications oh yeah I guess we should put a disclaimer on this and maybe tell the story of how we met huh yeah <laughs> I met Ashley a million years ago when I was a brand new, fresh, untried college professor. I think you were my maybe my first class ever. 
oh boy, was I scared to teach. And um, yeah, you guys were amazing. And it was just so amazing to help you guys find your passion and to watch how far you've come. I, I, I love it. I love seeing what you're doing now. So cool. So you were, if I recall correctly, you had started a lighting company first. You were making these really cool custom lights where you would find stuff and drill holes in it and make lights out of it. You want to talk about that just a little bit and the transition into a skincare company, a, yes. a artisan skincare company? Two complete opposites. So I started yeah. an upcycle lighting company called Now That's a Bright Idea. I had that company in, I believe I started in 2013 in mm-hmm. New York State. So I filed my first LLC then. So I was doing that upcycle, gave you some experience. Yeah, upcycle custom lighting. I was uh, on the board for the local Chamber of Commerce and Merchants Association. So I was involved already in the community mm. as a business owner. Smart. Yeah. Yeah. So when the time came to potentially start another company, I already had experience in, you know, sending proposals and doing invoices and having liability insurance and all the legal stuff that needs to go with a new business. So that was a huge help. Yeah, you know, that transition, was that a little scary for you? Because, you know, you went from really kind of one-off pieces. I remember some of the ones you made were beautiful antique glasses turned upside down and hanging from the ceiling. And and um, you also did one with the Kodak slides, right? You took a Kodak slide reel. Yep. And turn that into a light. Yep. The Kodak Carousel slide trace. So I still do have my lighting business. I still do get some custom orders, but that is not the primary oh. focus in my life right now. Also, that was limiting for, you know, somebody really needed a specific reason to buy, you know, a $200 custom pendant light. It's not like an easy gift to give. It's a very specific thing for your home. Yeah, it's very high end. And there's only so many of them you can make because each one's unique, right? Yep. And then if it needs to be painted or stained, you know, I don't have an industrial warehouse where I can do all that. It would just be in my garage or outside. So the weather needs to be compliant. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't be able to paint anything in the winter time. So what led you to this transition? Like, was there a defining moment where you said, hey, this isn't working. I'm going to do this other thing. Was there like a moment you can remember that or like a defining event or something that that moment that you said, oh, I'm going to start a lipstick company. Yeah, lip balm company. All right. So I had made some lip balms because I probably saw something on Pinterest or online, like make your own lip (laughs) balm with three ingredients or only four ingredients. And I thought, well, I love lip balm. Why not? Like we live in upstate New York. It's dry and cold here in the winters. Why not? Mm. Made some, ordered like a 50 count box from Amazon of empty tubes. The recipe that I first saw online said it would make about 12 or 13 lip balms. And of course, Mm -hmm. I don't need 12 or 13 lip balms of exactly the same thing. So I ended up giving the co-workers that I waitressed with the extra lip balms. And then each time I would make a new flavor or something fun, I'd say, well, I don't need 13 of the same. So here you go. Here you go. Give me some feedback. What do you think? And so it started. They love them. I started experimenting with, mm. like, with different flavors and the coffees and the wines. 
and really thought, wait, we live in the Finger Lakes. It's one of the most popular wine regions in the United States. There's thousands and millions of tourists who come and visit all our little towns in the area mm-hmm. and tour the lakes every you know, spring, fall, and summertime primarily. So why not tap into that? Maybe everybody doesn't want to commit to buying a bottle of wine at each winery. So why yeah. not have a fun little gift or add-on? And if I can help those business owners put out another product that is incorporating their name and their brand, like another way to reach potential clients. That's brilliant. That's great. So, you know, your product really serves two pain points. It It's something that everybody can use and also appeals to the company that you partner with. So let's actually segue just a little bit into your custom packaging, because I think that's a really interesting position. All right. So when I do custom lip balms, let's say I'd partner with a coffee roaster, I would take their coffee, infuse it in a sweet almond oil, run it through a French press. So now the oil is 100% saturated with natural coffee oils and it flavors Mm. and fragrances the oil that I'm going to be using to make the lip balm so much. And it's so fresh and intense because I just had received those roasted beans within, you know, usually 12 to 18 hours of when, after they've been cooled down enough that we can grind them for me to start using. Wow. So yummy sounding. And as far as packaging, it's based on what brands and companies I'm already working with. So I'm using working with them and using their logos and their fonts to to keep the branding as close as we can to their already line that they've conceived. I think that's amazing. So really your artwork is the product and then you custom label it for the winery or the coffee roaster. Would that be the correct terminology? The coffee roasters or on the yeah what a great concept and then you wholesale them correct correct my primary focus of my company i'd say about 90 to 95 percent is wholesaling only because i didn't want to have a retail store and have to man it you know nine to five and be here so that way i could still have a second job if i wanted or travel and now i mean i'm working full-time every day, but it's different things. Some days it's delivery, some days it's production, some days it's returning emails all day, and some days it's marketing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is really neat. So when did you make the decision? How did you know that you wanted to just focus on wholesale? When I first started, I got a really good piece of advice from a store owner who told me, okay, you either need to be retail or wholesale because it's not fair if you're out trying to sell your pieces at a lower price point and doing events and online sales. You know, why should I carry that in my store? I have no incentive. Like, I need you to send customers to my store to help me survive as a small business. She told me very early on that I needed to pick as a company, am I going to be retail or wholesale? And also retail would be a little bit like selling one unit or two units like here and there for each receipt. Mm -hmm. So wholesale, I'm able to manufacture 3,000 or up to 5,000 units at a time. 
and sell that bulk or have it in inventory and stock so it's available. That's great. That's really great. So that leads us, we've been talking about how you created it, the art and the product, and that leads us into presentation. And I love your presentation of your products. You still occasionally send me photographs of photo shoots. It's like getting these little Christmas presents. I love seeing the behind the scenes of the setups you do. Can you talk a little bit about presentation and some advice, maybe the best tip you've ever received about presenting a work or things that you do to make it better, faster, or easier? It's very hard now with all online and even people who aren't in my region and business owners that I have to present my product or my product line to them and say, hey, are you interested in carrying this? Maybe originally when they first get the email, they don't have you know, the, the physical product in their hands. So they're basing what they're purchasing on reviews and my photographs and you know, the product safety sealed and it's a vinyl label. Ashley, I know you have a background in photography that you did some fashion photography in the past and that you're a photographer yourself. And so we talk about presentation a little bit and you have this amazing presentation. I love it because I get to see some of the behind the scenes shots before they ever come out. Could you give the audience some tips or tricks that you like to use in setting up a shoot? Or what do you find is some of the most successful things you do in presenting your products? Like the literal visuals, like, you know what I mean? I find that artists are often saying to me or, or people that want to start a business, they say, well, I don't know how to take product photos. I don't take good be product photos. I need to take better product photos. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So lots of online tutorials that I've watched, lots of trial and error, lots of takes where maybe I'll edit three images, then ask a group of five to 10 peers and or former teachers. <laughs> so you get lots of feedback on your product, yeah, well, don't I you? I get the feedback before I roll it out. I can't just base it on what I think looks best because I'm not the big picture. And you did feedback with designing the product too. So you really are great at reaching out and getting feedback at all of the stages, I think. Correct. Sometimes I think so many people just want to get their new, newly made art piece, let's say, or my product. When it comes out, of course, I want to start selling it as soon as possible. But no, I have to take the time to photograph it, then create you know, my marketing campaign or what I want to do. I need to make sure that Obviously, the first impressions matter. So the first photo you see needs to be crisp and clear and bright, not blurry, just quick on my phone, throwing it out there like new lip balm out today. Right. You do some beautiful product photography. Um, You often set up with not just the tube of lipstick and the custom packaging, but the elements that are infused into the lip balm, you know, the, the coffee beans or the lavender. How do you get inspiration? Yeah, you, like you said, the ingredients that's infused, or if it's at a winery, I'll put the wine glasses and the bottle of wine because maybe customers and buyers mm. recognize that bottle of wine visually. So they automatically think, well, wait, what's with the wine there? I, what's that? You know, it's oh, new. Cool. It, it's brand recognition already that they see an item or an object that you're, they're used to and then associate my item now with the item they were used to. 
Oh, cool. That's a great idea. And then you even made up little like stands or displays for the lip balms, right? So that they could be right next to the cash register as like a point of sale. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yes. When I first started, I did probably like every other craft maker does and bought the cardboard, you know, they're flat, you fold them together and et voila, you have a quick display. <laughs> yeah. But again, that just conveyed to me like crafty, homemade, cheap, not 100%, you know, professional. So I looked yeah. into creating my own handmade wooden displays where it would be more sustainable, you know, if you wipe down the surface of the counter, especially if it was at a coffee roaster or a winery, like liquids get spilled and that needs to get cleaned up. Oh, Eventually smart. the cardboard would disintegrate or get wet or get bent. And mm. then, you know, there's thousands of people checking out at the register, I'd say every week at these wineries. So it, I had to create something more sustainable and heavy duty which in turn actually looked so much better and bigger and more professional in the long run. Yeah. And then you made these little lip balm holders that, you know, you partnered with a, a local seamstress or, or what would her title be? I guess, yeah, I'd call her seamstress. She designs and creates a lot of things. So I pick a custom fabric every year. Mm -hmm. um, a different color and pattern each year and then create a limited edition run of lip balm holders as an easy add-on or purchase or to be able to offer gift shops and online and usually at Christmas time as stocking stuffers that's when they go very well because that's when I introduce the next year. Yeah, I have one. They're really adorable. They have like a little hook on them and you can hook them to a zipper. I have mine hanging off my purse. And then it's just a little pocket, right? Yep. Everybody has their lip balms at their desk, in their car, yeah. in their purse, in their pockets. We all it have... really helps to keep from losing them. Yes. From falling to the bottom accessible. of your bag. Yeah. Yeah. And then I know you did some um, like package deals. We talked about this a while back, how you, know, you like to bundle your products as part of the presentation. So, you know, a lip balm is one little tiny purchase. And then can you talk about your bundles and how you came up with some of those ideas for them? Maybe give some examples. And before we start or continue, I'm so confused at what you mean by bundles. Because I'm like, oh, no worries. So like you were talking about, we were hanging out the one day and you were saying, hey, I make these um, little, the things you set your cup on. <laughs> the, oh. um, you know, coasters. Yeah, coasters. And then you had done a package deal where you would have three or four coasters and then the stick tied on top with a pretty little ribbon. Oh, I'm thinking maybe you must have been talking to somebody else. I have ornaments that are wooden ornaments, but they're not coasters. Oh, okay. I thought you said you did coasters too for one of the craft fairs. No, because I don't do, well, primarily I don't do craft fairs because I'm primarily wholesale. So I do okay. very few like events. Okay. So. So we'll Well, let's go with that. Like, so I just love that you make these extra products to augment the lip balms. And so I'm just trying to give the audience ideas about supplementary things, the way they can bundle products together. It's called a bundle when you add extra components in. So, you know, if 
you have the lip balm and then you have your Christmas ornaments, you know, that's a bundle. That's like a little bundled product, right? Yep. So it's easier than, yeah, if I make a small gift set, maybe let's say a man would potentially pick up that instead of having to, oh, no, I can't choose between these 20 lip balms. That's too overwhelming. Let me just grab this small set that's already packaged, already done, already gift wrapped. My wife will love it. That's what I'm getting at. Let's talk about the sets because that is such a great marketing tactic. And it and it really educates your audience too. It makes the decision easy for them. So let's talk about some of the sets. Yes. Yeah, so don't give people too many choices. Obviously, they're going to see these 30 lip balms in front of them. But if you pair sets together, let's say for a particular season, like a Christmas holiday or a Mother's Day or Easter or a graduation gift set, it's easier for shoppers to potentially pick up as an impulse buy instead of having to ponder and think, oh, which would he or she prefer best out of this broad range of choices. Do you literally have 30 lip balms now? Oh, we are up to maybe 42 right now. Not all <laughs> are online. Some are private orders that aren't available. But That's I've done so to date, cool. I believe, 47 different flavors. Oh, wow. That is so cool. How do you come up with 47 different flavors? I got to try every one of them. <laughs> They're so good. All right. Well, how do you educate? your audience as to the benefits of your work. Um, in your case, your audience is really the company. How do you educate them to the benefits of offering these products to their customers? Okay, so for customers and creating my products, I need to convey that this is a win-win for everybody. It's helping them expand their reach to new potential buyers based on a brand that they've already established and that they want to continue to grow. Mm -hmm. So I give them samples of previous bombs I had made for maybe someone else similar to the field that they're in. So another mm -hmm. winemaker, I will take and sh give examples and present that, hey, I've worked with these other four winemakers. So here's examples of what I've done for them, what they've sold monthly, yearly, oh. you know, increasing their sales and also expanding their reach. Oh, that's great. So do you do that in a written format or do you just call them up or you email them? Ooh, usually I request a meeting with the buyer for the company or let's say the tasting room manager. Uh -huh. Eventually, that would include the owners of the company or marketing region. Mm -hmm. It depends on how large the company is. Could include the marketing. Usually, it's marketing because it's usually sales. It's nothing with their production behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. It's going to be different for each company, and you just kind of have to get in there and start talking to people, huh? Yep. And a lot of my work comes from referrals. Somebody will be at a winery and say, oh my gosh, I bought this lip balm when I was here last year at this winery, like you guys should carry something like that. I could see that doing really well here. Mm-hmm. Definitely. That is awesome. What have you found for you personally to be the hardest part of marketing and, and why? For marketing, it's hard because my items have either a fragrance or a flavor, depending if it's a lip balm or an exfoliating sugar scrub or some of the other products that I make and presenting that online or through an email, it, I can't convey my fragrance or the flavor. 
So the hardest part for me is it's an item that you should be physically trying and holding and using to sell. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times that's why I have to send out the sample sizes, send out the lip balms to different vendors and gift stores, wineries, grocery stores for them mm. to actually physically try the product before usually they don't want to commit to picking up a new line before, you know, they haven't tried it, especially if they've never heard of me. Right, right. They need to physically sample these. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, we talk about in the appeal system how to automate and amplify. And you've been adding and growing your company for a while now. And you've got not just lip balms, but exfoliating body scrubs and body lotions and mineral salt soaks and all of that stuff. Beyond expanding just the product lines how do you how do you do that you know how do you um grow i know that you work a lot and um this is you know your your baby but how would you recommend to people that you grow um do you have any tips or tricks or favorite apps or you know methods for amplifying growing and and automating things one of the biggest pieces of advice that I got was start small. Don't, you know, maybe when I first started, I have a lip balm, but then I think I should do a lotion and a makeup remover and a toner and just getting, don't get too diversified in the beginning, you know, make a product or two or three that you're known for and you do well mm-hmm. and you know can sustain you and maybe seasonally branch out and try something else. In the past, I have tried other skincare items such Mm -hmm. as facial serums but then I think back and I think it's too expensive for people to consistently buy it's a very specific market it's not a gift that you just give your friend Mm -hmm. it's also not a souvenir item that you'd just be picking up at a local store Mm -hmm. and the women who are spending lots of money or women and or men that are spending lots of money on those products Mm -hmm probably already have their, I would say their foundation or their brand that they stick with and work with. Right. So I've tried a lot of things behind the scenes that haven't been released yet. Okay. Yeah. So you've really expanded slowly. I mean, it on paper, it looks so fast, but I wouldn't really say you started in 2016 and it's 2019 now. And you've got a lot of products now. But you grew slowly through trial and error, huh? Correct. And then as far as the legal side of business, I, like I said, I did two months of research before committing to start my company and another LLC because I thought, you know, this is a lot of money. We're starting up, you know, the market could be difficult to break into as a startup because it could cost anywhere from like ten to 15000 to get set up with all the educational, legal, manufacturing and marketing things that you need to do to launch your line. Mm-hmm. So I did two months of research, really like, okay, what are the FDA regulations for myself and for this location, like for New York State? What do I need to follow as far as that goes? What are the legal requirements to run my business as a cosmetic handmade business here under the FDA and the Food and Drug Cosmetic Act? Um, yeah. Yeah, that brings us to the idea of licensing and contracts and contractual terms. There's a lot of technical stuff in the 
I don't want to say food, but any sort of consumable, right? Any sort of product that goes on our skincare and our skin or on our bodies or in our bodies. And I know that you're leaping bunny cruelty free. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about some of those experiences you had with the nitty gritty? <laughs> so, yes. So first thing I learned is I looked at packaging of lip balms that I wanted to emulate or copy or be like, like, what are the brand standards? What's required by the FDA to put on a label, such as the, what country it's made in, you know, what city you don't need your physical address. If your business is on file with the town and the government that you're in, you know, what, there's all kinds of regulations about font sizes, fonts you're allowed to use, you know, certain scripts that you're not allowed to use. Oh, really? Yeah. They actually regulate the fonts. Yes. Interesting. the position on the packages that, you know, let's, for example, the size of my exfoliating body scrub, the size needs to be printed on the lower third of the package by FDA law. Uh-huh. And how do you find some of these regulations? Does the FDA have a website or something? Yes, they do for homemade. Well, I wouldn't say homemade cosmetics. It's actually an industry standard, all cosmetics. Mm -hmm. So such as your soap and your conditioner that you see. So you'll always see the size printed on the lower third of the bottle or the box because that's the FDA guidelines. Mm -hmm. So you started out by looking at, I'll say, competitors' products to kind of get a feel for what they were doing Mm -hmm. and then dug deeper into the FDA's website, right? Correct. That's, That's really neat. I had never thought of that aspect of designing product because I'm not in that space. I know our products need to have like a choke hazard label on the mini brads if we sell to kids. Uh-huh. So that kind of thing. So yeah, you have to be aware of what the requirements and the rules and regulations are. What other types of contractual terms have you found to be invaluable and that you really need to know in uh, when you're in business? Yeah. So of course I had to learn all about well, even more about sending proposals and getting those approved and then sending the invoice and how do customers pay for their invoice? Do they want to pay upfront? Do they want consignment? Which I don't recommend, at least for my business, because it's too hard with taxing and following your sales tax and everything. Um, Or if we're net 30, which means that the customer has to pay their bill uh, within 30 days of that invoice date. I had no experience with that because I never sent out net 30 invoices for my lamps. It was always just, okay, you purchased a lamp, you need to pay me or I'm not going to ship it because it was already done and manufactured. So some of these invoices are, I'm currently making you, you know, 3000 lip balms for your company. So I'm going to send out your invoice. And of course I need to, maybe we have terms on, our proposal where after, you know, 10 days, I have to show them a concept of the label, then they need to approve that label. Every contract is different. Mm -hmm. Do you get any kind of deposit? So net 30 is when you actually send the product to the company and they pay you within 30 days of receiving the product, right? Mine can be when we first, when they confirm the purchase order or when I deliver, it depends. So it could be either or. 
And then there's like net 60 too in some industries, right? Correct. I have a few customers and clients who are net 60, but they're larger nationwide. And it's probably just set up due so they can get all their paperwork together because it's big companies. Right. So you really have to read those contracts. Like I was kind of getting at, do you ever get like a deposit to help you pay for supplies and stuff like that? At this point, I don't because I have enough in stock, I'd say. Okay. That I already in our purchase order that they sent me when I said, hey, let's do this. And we figured out and we narrowed down like, okay, this is what you're ordering, your purchase order. No, I go from there because. Mm -hmm. But you do get that purchase order in hand. That's kind of the contract that starts the process. You don't really start to make anything until you have that purchase order, For right? the larger orders, yes. Because if not, you know, I wouldn't be putting money behind and spending hours designing a label if it's never going to be done or sold. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to do that. I can't sell it to somebody else or, you know, I can't. Let's say, for example, AaronSparlerArt.com. I make it for you. You decide, oh, uh, no, I never ordered that. Well, I can't resell it or reuse it. It's too Items are too specific. Yeah. Well, I think that can happen anywhere. I know I've made that mistake. I had a client that made an order. And then they said they were going to make another order with a much larger inventory and that they wanted mini brads. So I brought, bought a quantity of mini brads in anticipation of the purchase order. And then that second purchase order didn't come through, didn't happen. And so, yeah, that's an outlay of expenses that now for me, I can use those, but that's a mistake you don't want to make is buying inventory, buying supplies. Eventually. With some things, I'm sure in the past I've ordered too much of something and then maybe I'll try and figure out another way to use up, you know, oh, great, I have so much lavender essential oil. What else can I make or manufacture or come out with next to use this up before the oils, you know, deteriorate or, you know, lose as much potency as they had this year? Mm, yeah, so that can be um, that can be a, a unique inspiration, huh? Yes. And also, yeah, looking for bulk suppliers. I mean, I used to order 50 count lip balm tubes at a time when I first started. And now we're ordering over 50,000 at a time and they come delivered on pallets by, you know, a jack on an 18 wheeler free <laughs> to my house. So <laughs> another thing where am I ever going to use 50,000? I think I'm not sure, but actually I have to order another 50,000 this week because I already went through my first 50,000. <laughs> Oh, which that's was already incredible. after two other orders of 12000 because I thought, I'm not going to buy this much bulk. You know, also another warning to people. Sure, it looks like a great savings buying 50000 but let's make sure your business is working well after the first year. That's what my accountant told me one of the first mm -hmm. times we got together was, okay, Ashley, I understand that you spend, you know, a dollar to save 25 cents, but if you're spending a dollar and you're not losing it later because you'd never use the products. Right, right. So and then you have a place to store everything too. Oh, yeah. And that's maybe another reason you chose not to do retail is storage? Uh, yes and no. Re okay. I mean, everything is currently stored here at my house. And that's another reason, good, to bring that up, uh, another reason why I wanted to go and primarily focus on lip balms because they're easy to ship. 
They're mm-hmm. like, wait, I can fit 500 in a large shoebox? If I had to ship 500 scrubs, then I would be needing to freight it on a pallet to a customer. And shipping costs would just be so enormous that customers maybe don't want to accept that initial mm-hmm. order because it's just too big. And maybe they don't have the room in there stock room or supply room or behind the counter they don't you know it's not like ordering fifty thousand t-shirts and now they got to save these yeah that's great i love that you've really given thought to the marketing aspects of the product and how it can be consumed by both you you know stored by you and by the consumer the company that you've made them for as well as the end user so you've got three levels to look at there mm-hmm. that's great So, Ashley, what does success look like for you? You know, success is something that we define for ourselves. What do you feel is maybe your biggest accomplishment that you've had yet, maybe the biggest sale or the most prestigious sale, or or what are you most proud of right now? Well, we'll start at the beginning where when I first started, the best day ever that I can still remember was when I had sold two coffee-infused lip balms <laughs> before I was even officially like under a new LLC and with full-blown liability insurance. I sold two lip balms and I was crying, jumping around, <laughs> so ecstatic, telling everybody, texting everybody, just like, oh my gosh, it's working. Somebody bought two of my lip balms. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, and now Great. that I look back on that, I can remember each milestone, you know, over the past two and a half years when I'd get an order for 25 and I'd say, oh my gosh, orders for 25, that's insane. And currently I'm doing orders for more than 3,000 at a time oh. now. So that's a huge, I mean, now yeah. I, of course I still get as excited, but it's different now because I'll turn down, I'm so busy that I have to turn down clients who maybe want to make a special batch, and but they only would like to order 100. And I say that, I'm sorry, at this time, I can't only manufacture 100 for you because it's not, you know, in my best interest as a company. That's a great problem to have. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that is so exciting. I'm, I'm so excited for you. And- so the biggest sale so far has been... Uh, I did more than 3,000 walnut toffee whiskey infused lip balms that walnut are being... toffee whiskey. Oh my gosh, you're yeah, making me for hungry. a local company here in Rochester, which is actually a nationwide company, but they're based here in Rochester. Uh-huh. And they're being given away by Rock House Brands, which is the company here. Next week at the Wine and Spirits Wholesaler of America National Convention in Orlando. Oh, I didn't even know that was such a thing, but that sounds phenomenal. That's awesome. So I'm very excited that my product will be in the hands of, you know, potential other customers who own wineries and distilleries all across America. And these are nationwide distributors. What a great giveaway for a conference. Um, Did you come up with that idea or did they approach you? Uh, They approached me. And since they're a wholesale business selling their liquors or their spirits nationwide. They had seen what I had done with other local companies here who sell the product. They wanted to use it as a giveaway, which at first I felt makes my brand like not as, I don't know the word I want to use. Maybe? Not as, yeah, important as I want it to be because like, oh no, you're just using it as a giveaway. But actually the way that they're doing it, I'm super excited. It's not being, you know, tossed off of a float at a parade. It's specific <laughs> for people in the industry. 
which I would much rather get a lip balm than a magnet or a pen or a sticker at a conference. So. Yeah, and well, you're going to pick it up every day, and every time you use it, you're going to think, hmm, that's yummy. Who made this? Correct. It's a consumable. It's not just a one-time use item that you toss yeah. or something you put in your desk drawer and forget about. It's something you're using for the next six months to a year, you know, daily, or you're traveling with it. And really, it's an opportunity for marketing. Now, will you be able to send any marketing materials along with this or, you know, like a card or anything that if somebody within the industry says, hey, where'd you get these these lip balms? Um, we want to do this too. Is that in your contract with them or have you, how do you do that? No, but per FDA, all my contact information is on the lip balm since I'm the manufacturer, so... Oh. Anybody who receives any of my lip balms as a gift can, you know, just type in or Google my company name, Sarah DeBay, and find it online. Hey, let's talk real briefly about the inception, the concept for your name and what it means, uh, Sir DeBay. I had to ask how to pronounce it because it's spelled, it's French, right? It's C-I-R-E space Correct. little d apostrophe. Correct. A-B-E-I-L-L-E. I was mispronouncing it for a while. I was going Sir de Abelle, but you taught me earlier that it's Sir de Belle, right? Can you talk about the concept for your company's name? Yep. So Sir de Bay, like um, to Sierra Steak or San Francisco Bay. So that's what mm -hmm. I tell everybody. Um, Sierra Steak in French, San Francisco. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My husband's French. So originally, I wanted um, a company name that didn't tie my name into it. I didn't want it to be called Ashley Monet Skincare or Ashley Skincare or anything associated with my name. So that in the future, if and when I wanted to sell it, I'd be able to without any association to myself mm. or potential customers in the future or the new business owners maybe tarnishing my name by changing the formula or doing something oh. that I wouldn't have done. Uh -huh. So I wanted, you know, something not associated with my name. Uh, originally, the company name was filed as Abe, uh, but after working with my trademark attorney, that name was too close to another skincare company that was registered legally in the United States. So she recommended that I put something in front of Abe. And is there any words or anything I could add to it? So I came home that evening. Met with my husband. We talked about, you know, since I don't speak fluent French, I said, what else can we add? And we said, why not Sear de Bay? Because so it's beeswax that translates into or wax of bee in French. And since that's the primary ingredient that I'm using in my lip balms to support local apiaries and beekeepers and upstate New York bees, we thought, why not have it Sear de Bay? Now, I got to ask you a personal question just for the listeners and for me, too, because it's kind of fun. You've mentioned several times that your husband's French and I've met him. He's awesome. He's so much fun. He's a really great guy. But how did you meet such a cool French guy? Um, you know, he's not just like first generation French. Where is he from? So, yes, I met him. Oh, my. Beginning of 2011, I was his waitress when he was here for work. For six weeks. So he had never been to the United States before. 
So he was here for six weeks staying at a hotel outside of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania that I was working at. Mm -hmm. So I used to wait on him almost every evening for dinner after they'd finish at their job location on site. They'd come back to the hotel for dinner and bed and repeat it all for six weeks. Uh Uh-huh. And so you guys just started talking. And where's he from in France? Uh, He's from the far eastern border right on the the Swiss border. Okay. So it's a, it's a department called Du. So it's between Alsace-Lorraine and Geneva. And he didn't really plan the move to America at first, did he? I mean, you guys started talking, you fell in love, and then and then he started looking at companies here, right? Correct. He said, if I move to the United States for work, would you move with me? I can't guarantee that we'll be in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, but if I try you know, to move here for work on a work visa, would you move anywhere in the United States with me? And I said, why not? Sure, I'll try it for a year. It's a life experience. I have nothing to lose. I don't have, I'm not tied here for any reason. I don't have any children or a full-time job that required me to stay in Harrisburg. Oh, it's so romantic. So he moved to America to be with you and you moved to another location to be with him. That's really quite romantic. And then you guys ended up getting married, right? Correct. Very cool. And now he's he's a big part of my company now. I mean, he gets to proof everything, of course. He helps during manufacturing. Uh, Like, for example, tonight we're pouring 3,600 coffee-infused lip balms for a company. So he'll be helping with production this evening. Mm -hmm. Uh, He also helps make the wooden displays for you know, certain stores that want one of those larger display units at their register. Very cool. Very neat. Are there any books that you would recommend for people to read? What are your favorite books within maybe the art field or the business field or anything like that that you would recommend to or give away as a gift? Ooh, I'm not so much doing books. I do a lot of podcasts and I do a lot of YouTube motivational videos for entrepreneurs where I hear and listen to other people's stories and what have worked for them. And I mean, I listen to a lot of Gary Vaynerchuk. Mm. I love him. I have his book and it just gets me excited if I, you know, if I'm of course down for the day, like, oh, this company ended up not reordering with me or nobody cares about my stuff. You know, it reminds you, hey, stuff doesn't happen overnight. You need to just keep plugging away. No, you know, there were two right. Yeah, there were two different times in the first year that I almost quit my company. And I was just so disheartened or frustrated that no one was, I don't know, on board with me or buying as much as I had assumed customers would be buying. Right. Then I still realize that, hey, not everybody's heard of me. It takes time. You know, I really can commiserate with that. I think the entrepreneurial world, just being in business and certainly being an artist, there's a lot of ups and downs. And particularly for artists, particularly for crafters, creators, people that put their heart and their soul into their product. I think it can be particularly disheartening when you get negative feedback, or even no feedback. Um, So you really like this guy for motivation, right? Yes, I send a lot of proposals. And I would say 70% of the time, I don't get any response at all. And if I do get a response for, let's say, the other 10%, it's a, 
oh, thank you for reaching out. We'll keep you on file. Uh, thank you for your time. And maybe the other 10% shows some interest and they're like, oh, I'd like to hear more. This sounds interesting, but I'm not sure it would work for my company. So then I have to pitch it to them or a different way. And mm-hmm. amazingly, about 5 to 10% say, oh, this sounds great. When can we meet? Yeah, you know, I've heard that a typical response rate for email campaigns and stuff like that is just 1% to 2%. Is that what you're seeing with your response rates? It sounds like you have a higher response rate of maybe 5 to 10%, would you think? Uh, yeah, I don't do a lot of like just random email blasts. It's usually specific targeted emails to that business owner or that buyer. Once I find out a contact name at a company, like who's mm-hmm. the buyer for your grocery store you know who do i need to reach out to it takes a lot of follow-up because again they're getting bombarded with customers saying or i'm sorry with makers who say oh carry my stuff or you should carry my painting or you should buy i mean they're that's what their job is they're a buyer but they're getting bombarded with i'm sure so many calls and emails every day saying, oh, carry my line, do this. Are you reordering for me? You know, that it just gets so hard for them that you really need to follow up a lot. Yeah, to break through the noise. Uh So you do a lot of initial research and have a very targeted contacts, right? And then you do a lot of follow up. Correct. And sometimes the follow up will be a year later, a year and a half later, I finally see the result of, oh, okay, we would, you know, we're ready to place our order. Or let's say a year down the road, I'm bigger than I was a year ago. At least they have my email address on file because I had reached out to them in the past. Or if they see my name in a magazine or me at an event, they could say, hey, wait, I think you sent me something, you know, last December about yeah, maybe my company creating this. So it's easier for them to reach out to me later if they need to. Right. So you have to keep that ball rolling. Do you have a system for that? How do you track that so that you don't lose track of who you've reached out to, who you haven't? I know that's one of the hardest things for me is remembering, oh, did I reach out to this person? Have I followed up with them? Do you have any system that you use? I do not, but I should. Jillian gets on me all the time about that. (laughs) That's so hard. Quarterly, I usually reach out to all the stores, let's say gift shops and grocery stores, mom and pop stores. Quarterly, I reach out and ask for an inventory check, like currently what do they have in stock? What are they sold out of? Uh, Are they ready to reorder? If and when they get back to me, depending on what store it is, maybe I'll even send a sample projected sales order like hey i can do 36 of this unit 36 of this 36 of this you know with mm-hmm. shipping it'll come out to this because i find it's a lot easier for them to say yeah that order sounds good instead of actually sit down and take the time to be like well we only need 30 of this and 40 of this so if you just have something written out it's so much easier for them to say yeah sure that order sounds good Go ahead. You know? Oh, that's and then brilliant. Send that invoice. That's brilliant. So you make their job easy by providing them a purchase Maybe order. A potential like order, like, hey, do you want to go ahead with this? Another thing that I learned, and I used to get so discouraged, like, I don't understand. They're selling so well, or they sold out. Why haven't they reordered? And I had to remind myself and have Julian remind me that my lip balm at their register isn't their biggest priority. Maybe they're a winemaker. So selling wine or, mm-hmm. you know, doing wine tastings is their business. So my little lip balm at the register 
it is the biggest thing in my world, but in their world, when I had to step back and look at the big picture, I can't get too frustrated or mad that they haven't reordered or disappointed because maybe they honestly don't know how to reorder. Maybe it's somebody else who's now in charge. So that's why I really need to follow up every three to six months. You know, that happened to me in the past where the tasting room manager was different. Yeah. Six months later, because somebody had went to school or moved. Right. So now I had another new point of contact and they hadn't met me personally. They don't know me. And it takes effort for them to find that contact information, figure out how to order. So I think that's brilliant. That is a system following up quarterly and providing them with a ready made purchase order that they just say, yeah, that's great. Go ahead takes all the effort off their or, their end yeah or give them two options like a full rollout like okay you ready to restock everything or is it your slow season and you just need a little bit or you know and also ask them what's selling best for you because i have a lot of locations where you know one flavor or two flavors of lip balm are flying off the shelves but not necessarily at a different store oh that's brilliant yeah so you get feedback once again you do a lot of feedback that is so good so smart and then making it as easy as possible for the customer to reorder. That's that's brilliant. Love it. Yeah, and it never hurts to ask. So why not propose something or sell something extra or maybe relay to that customer, oh, I have a new lip balm out called this or it's being released next week. Would you like to add a set of those on? <laughs> or maybe it's a new product that they didn't even know is available to them because they're not, you know, going on my website every day to check what's the latest and greatest. They don't have time to do that. So it gives me also a way to introduce maybe in a short paragraph what my newest product is to see if they're potentially interested in adding that to what they carry. Do you include pictures with that proposal? Like, um, you know, you, you say you keep it fairly short, a paragraph or two, and then you give them like the purchase order attached. Do you include pictures? Of I, no, I don't attach a purchase order each time because a lot of times they come back and either up the quantity or say, no, but we'll take double this, but none of this because we still have enough in stock. Okay. So then I have to go into my QuickBooks and redo their invoice every time. Okay. So can you talk us through maybe a little bit about your proposals? Just um, how do you lay those out? Like, what do you um, include in them? Or, you know what I mean? Like when you just, yep. just a real brief overview. Oh, so everything is different for each customer for me, as it is, probably is for everybody in business. So I mm -hmm. usually would go over uh, maybe one, two, maybe one if we've already talked about it, but usually two or three choices saying if you want to order 500 lip balms, it'll be this rate. If you want to order, you know, up to, you know, 5,000, it'll be this rate. Mm -hmm. And then also saying in the proposal that I need art, if they want their artwork used, I need their artwork provided by them from their graphic design department, you know, within two weeks of us doing it. And then mm -hmm. I don't print the labels myself. I work with a printing company, so mm -hmm. I'm not responsible if something happens on their end mm -hmm. for delivery date. Mm -hmm. Also, I try to schedule out far enough that I can deliver it early. So it looks good on my end. Like, oh, you gave it to us a week or two weeks before you thought you might be able to. So it already looks good, but you have that as a buffer set up. Oh, if you yeah. Smart. Week, two weeks. Smart. But you're as a company, then you're already fulfilling your responsibility ahead of the deadline or estimated date. So it looks good. Oh, that's great. Yeah, you know, um I was thinking 
about your products. Oh, and about your quantities. And you were talking about giving them price points. One of the things that I think people don't know about sometimes is minimum quantity orders and how there are price breaks. So I know like with printing, if you order, you know, 100, it's this price. If you order 1,000, then you get a price break. And then, of course, the bigger the printer, the they don't want to do 100. So they'll have a minimum quantity order. Do you want to talk to that just a smidgen because you've mentioned it a little bit? Yep. So uh, the printer I deal with originally when I started, uh, my minimum quantity with them was 250. And at the time I gasped and I thought, I'm never going to sell 250 <laughs> of something. Are you kidding me? This is going to be around for years. Like, I, that's a lot. Like, <laughs> that's way too much. I only need 50. And of course, they're like, same thing. It's not worth them for the time, money, effort to take me on as a client to only do 50. Like they're already doing me a favor doing 250. Right. So I have the same price breaks that you talked about for my printer that then I'm allowed to pass on and offer to my customers. Right. So my printer, my minimum is not 250 anymore. It's either 500 if I get it confirmed ahead of time, but it's usually a thousand now. Wow. Because... They don't, you know, it's not worth it to them. Yeah. But if I'm ordering, you know, 2000 or 3000 or 4000 from the printer, I'm able to get a better price on my label. So then in turn, I'm able to offer the companies that I'm working with a better price on their lip balms because my price is going down. Right. So you have minimum orders and other people have minimum orders and you get price breaks as the quantity goes up. Correct. And it's a lot easier for me. Obviously, when I pour my lip balms, to keep it very consistent, I'm usually, right now, we're averaging about anywhere from 2,000 to 4,000 lip balms at a time. So the whole batch is the same formula. It's consistent. Mm-hmm. That vendor might be only ordering, you know, or the customer might only be ordering 500 at a time because they don't want to keep an inventory of 2,000 in stock. But at least it's here mm-hmm. for me to offer to them you know, six months later, three months later, whenever they need to follow up with another 500. And it's going to be the same product, the same consistency. It's not me re-pouring another batch, re-getting printed, you know, labels printed. Everything's as consistent as I can be. Right, right. Well, that is so great. I've learned so much and you have some great advice to share with everybody. Do you want to just give us a list of some of the places that we can find your lip balms and your products or your website where people could get in touch with you to order custom run uh, infused, amazing infused lip balms and scrubs and stuff like that. I got to tell you, that toasted coconut latte is so good. That's my favorite because I used to go to Dunkin' Donuts and get a coconut iced coffee all the time. And I thought, why doesn't someone make a lip balm? That's with coffee. I could just because eat it. Because 80% of Americans are consuming <laughs> coffee daily. So this just seems like win-win. And it's gender neutral and doesn't contain mica or tint. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, it's usable for children. adult. It really is geared. I'm lucky that it falls into such a wide range of... Yeah. And your stuff is 100% natural. Right? Yep. That's so great. So it's really natural, but then I think it has an adult bent with the coffee and the wine-infused flavors. The wine doesn't put any alcohol in it, right? (laughs) Correct. The wine's been reduced down. Right. And then infused. 
So what's your website and how can people get in touch with you? So my website is for retail ordering would be abeskincare.com. So it's A-B-E-I-L-L-E skincare.com. So Mm -hmm. online and we ship international. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have a lot of customers actually on the West Coast. Mm. That I shipped to. Yeah. Again, probably because they had toured or visited a Finger Lakes winery and thought, oh, I need to gift some of these. That's great. That is great. Well, thank you so much. This has been a great interview. Very informative. And look, it's been an hour. (laughs) That went by fast, right? Yeah. I want to thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you. You're welcome. I look forward to seeing more. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. Well, that's it for the Artist Appeals. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed recording it. I just love talking with all these artists and business people. It's phenomenal, and I've learned so much. I hope you've learned something, too. You can get more information. You can check out some of the links that we talked about in the podcast at theartistappeals.com. That's theartistappeals, A-P-P-E-A-L-S.com. Thanks and have a good one.